Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. And so I, I, we've been talking about this a series here on timeless. And what we're talking about when we talk about timeless is there are values that we have and values that are in God's word that never have an expiration date. Values like truth, values like love, values like uh, moral purity, values like respect, and all of these values uh, is what shapes our lives. And if we begin to realize how great they are, that they never expire, that they need to be part of our lives every day. And I'm gonna read you a scripture here, Proverbs 3, and kind of been the theme scripture for what we've been talking about. It says, trust in the Lord, with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace today. I pray today you'd open our hearts, remove every distraction the word that I'm going to minister today, Lord, is going to be a heavy word for people that are in this place. It's going to be very heavy. So I pray today, God, that people would pay attention today and receive it. And God, today I pray for the anointing of your spirit as I declare your word and that people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So I'm going to talk about something that's really heavy and really is going to go against the culture, what we hear today. It's going to go against everything that you're hearing in our world today. But uh, how many know the truth will set you free? And so I pray today that you'll receive this word. What I'm going to preach today is not popular. In fact, it's very unpopular, but I make no apologies for it. What I'm going to talk about today isn't something that our culture is accepting, but I'm telling you, I only preach what God accepts, not what the world accepts. And so as Americans today, we care a lot about purity. And if you were, uh, if you remember just a few years ago or a couple of years ago in COVID, we want to make sure our hands were pure. You washed them three or four times and then you put uh, more sanitation on your hand. Then you put gloves. I mean, how pure can you get? Uh, we sprayed the chairs. You spray everything. You want to make sure everything was pure and clean. And today people are talking about purity. They want to cleaner air, uh, you know, climate change, all this stuff that they talk about. They want pure air. They want pure water. They want their food to be pure. But no really, no one is really concerned about a pure mind. Everybody's talking about purity and all these different things. But what about mental and moral purity? And that's what I'm going to talk about today because I want to talk about moral pure, uh, purity today because a lot of us, regardless of where we're at, we live in a place today that people are very perverted. We live in a very perverted world today. And if you even just uh, uh, watch television or you get on the internet, uh, there's all these perverted pop-ups that come up. And it used to be when I was young uh, and I was a teenager, back then you, you had to go, uh, you know, you had to, in order to see pornography or anything, you, you'd have to, add, everything was behind a counter. Uh, or people, what they called adult bookstores. Some of you don't even know what that is. And, and today, everything, uh, all the pornography is formatted to your telephone. Uh, 
It's formatted uh, so you can watch it at, at your convenience. All the, uh, so much stuff on cable TV is sex saturated. Uh, so many magazines today is sex saturated. We are, uh, as a result, we are bombarded uh, every day uh, uh, by the sexual content of so many things that are happening. Listen to me. Part of this sexual revolution has led to the many abortions that we have today. And believe it or not, sexual transmission is more rapid than it's ever been. I just went on the CDC uh, website and they said one out of every five Americans have some kind of sexual infection transmissible. So in other words, if you thinking, man, I'm just going to randomly date. You better think about that twice because uh, you, you don't know what that guy's carrying uh, and whatever two or three people he carried with or she carried with going to get on you. They said there's more than one million sexually transmitted infections today worldwide that take place every day. So we have all kinds of things today when it comes to this sexual diseases and everything else. And this is why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God wants you to be pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin. For God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy and to be clean. I told you it's going to get heavy, right? Tell, tell, tell your neighbor, man, it's going to get heavy. All right, it's going to get heavy right here. I know that's an old word, but it's heavy, man. I'm telling you today. It's possible. Is it possible today in the world that we live in to be pure? Is it possible today with all this bombardment of things that are coming into our mind, our every media content, different things that are coming, is it possible for us to maintain a pure mind? Is it possible today to maintain a pure life and a pure heart? Is it possible? I believe it is. I believe, and there's good reason for what, what I'm saying today. I, I was thinking about even the fish in the ocean. You ever think about that you, you go to the ocean, you've been there, you go to the beach, and you know, somehow you always end up at least tasting or, or even swallowing some of that salt water. And that's why I hate the ocean. But anyway, you just go, uh, it's just now, I hate eating by the beach. I hate that. And it gets in your mouth and you say, man, and we know this, that you cannot survive. You cannot drink ocean water because of the amount of salt that is in there. And yet these fish somehow are able to swim in it, live in it, and yet the salt does not affect them. You catch one of those fishes and you fry it up and then what do you do? You put more salt on it, right? And so you think about it. How is it that this fish can live in a salt environment and not be polluted and not be affected by it? I believe in the same way God has called us today in the world that we live in, in this perverted world, to be like a fish. We may be in the environment, but we don't have to absorb 
the environment. Can you say amen? Somehow, I believe God, I'm preaching this morning, that we can keep a pure mind. And so the answer today is not imitation. So many believers today think that the answer is, you know what, we're going to adapt to the world. We're going to do what the world is doing. No, the answer is not isolation. You know, going to a mosque or going to, or living in a monastery or being dressed up like a pilgrim with little bunny things on you. None of that. We're not talking about isolation. But what we are talking about is insulation. And this is exactly why this fish was created. It insulates him from and keeps a barrier in, in him from being able to survive. And I believe God insulates us. He creates a barrier that we can flow in this ocean. We can flow in this environment. But, but we don't have to be salty with the perversion of the world. We can be the salt of the world pure. Can you say amen? And so today I want to talk about some steps. I got to go quickly. I'm probably not going to get through this sermon. I apologize. So you may have to stay for the 11 o'clock to hear the entire thing. But this morning what I want to talk about is some steps of remaining pure in a polluted world. Number one, write this down. Make a commitment to God's standards. In fact, the very first message that I talked about is the standard of God. God has the standard that we're supposed to be living by. In fact, Psalm 119 verse 9, how can anyone keep his way pure but by living according to your word? You got to make a commitment. You got to make this an issue and resolve in your mind that no matter what happens in life, you're committed to God's standard. You are committed to the standard of God. You've got to decide who's the authority in your life. What dictates to you how you're going to live. You have to decide long before. I'll say that pre-decide in your mind, not when you're facing the temptation, what you're going to do. Predecide ahead of time. Listen, I'm living according to God's standard. I'm making a commitment to God's word. I'm just not going to make up my own standard. I'm committed to God's standard, and I'm going to live by that standard. I said, I'm going to live by that standard. Now, think about this. Why should we live according to God's standard? Because God knows more and knows better for my life than I do. God's word tells us so many times and warns us about the perversion and warns us about all this impurity that comes in our life today. And there's several things in God's word and God's standard that is not popular today. And so a lot of people say, uh, you know, it's not clear. No, it's clear. It's just unpopular. It's very clear. In fact, I'm going to be very clear to you that God's against sin and he's against perversion. He's very clear on that. It may not be popular, but it's very clear. Can you say amen? And so I'm going to talk about a few things today. I'm going to talk about moral purity. I'm going to talk about sex. I'm going to talk about all of these things. And in fact, I just want you to realize that God created sex. Did you know that? 
Did, did you know that? He created it. So uh, regardless of what you may think and regardless of what you may hear, God created it this way. That's why God knows how to live and how you're to do it and maintain. But you have to put, make a commitment to God's word. Until you're committed to God's standard. If you're not committed to God's standard today, you might as well just, not, just close up your Bible and go home. Because I'm going to tell you, it's not going to make a difference in your life. If you're just coming to hear a word, that, that's good. But if you're not making a commitment to God's word and according to God's standard, it'll never change your life. When it comes to sex, uh, in, in the first place, again, God invented it and the whole thing is God's ideal. But can I tell you, God has parameters to it. There are rules and there are guidelines for your protection and the protection of others. In anything in life, listen to me, in anything in life, there are rules and parameters for your protection. And God has put rules and parameters when it comes to your soul, when it comes to your spirit, when it comes to your health, when it comes to sex. Sex is far more than just physical. Listen to me. This is the problem today with this sexual revolution and the sexual perversion that we're hearing is people just think it's some physical act. I'm telling you today, it affects your spirit. There is a spiritual ramification. There is emotional consequences. There are social consequences. And for some of you, you know this, there is legal consequences. So it is not just Physical. It's not just a handshake. If that were possible, then it wouldn't be no, no ramification to it. And that's even the problem with our sex education today in school. A lot of parents say, well, they're teaching too much of it. The kids already know it. It's all over the internet. You don't even, you don't even have to teach them about that. What they're not teaching is they're not teaching the whole picture. It's not some just biological thing or physical thing. They're not teaching the emotional consequences. They're not teaching the, the, uh, the, there's a greater connection than just an anatomy and physical, but they're not talking about the legal, social, and emotional dimension. Uh, these things that, that take place when people begin to experience sex before marriage. Did I just say that? Yes, I did say that. That's God's standard. I'm going to show it to you today. So sex, listen to me, is exclusively what very clear, crystal clear, is reserved for a husband and wife who are committed to each other in the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman. Yeah, I said it. That's right. <laughs> Hebrews 13.4 says this, marriage is to be honored among everyone. And the bed is undefiled, the Bible says, but God will judge. He's going to judge the sexually immoral and the adulterer. So the Bible is very clear that the only thing that God accepts, the only thing that God honors is marriage. And he says anything outside of that, sex before marriage, sex outside of marriage, anything else, God says he's going to judge. And I can't tell you the profound amount of emotional consequences and spiritual consequences and even physical consequences. I'm talking about diseases when people decide to say, I'm just going to do what I want to do. God put 
parameters. Did you hear me? God puts rules. He put guidelines. They're healthy for you. I've used this illustration before. I'll use it again. If you're driving and you decide to get on the freeway and you say, well, it's an off-ramp, but you say, I don't care. I'm going to get on in this direction. It usually says, do not enter wrong way. And it's red. Do not get on an off-ramp to get on an on-ramp. Are you with me? And what do we do? Do we listen to the sign or do we say, I can't believe they're not going to let me get on this way? Do you say to yourself, I can't believe they're violating my rights. <laughs> they're violating my freedom. Now, this sign is restricting my freedom. Do you say that? No. What you say is, I better not go over there. Why? Because it's going to protect you and others. But if you decide to violate that sign, you're going on a head-on collision. You're on a collision course that's going to destroy your life. This is why God's word is our guidance when it comes to moral purity. If you don't listen, you're headed on a collision course. Can you say amen? He is trying to help you. He is trying to guide you. People get bitter. People get mad. They get mad at the preacher. They get mad at the church. I didn't set the rules. I didn't put the guidelines. But if I were you, I would listen to truth because because God knows what he's doing. Can you say amen? Again, sex is the gift. It's the gift from God, but you're to do it wisely and within God's parameters. Did you hear me? Water is the gift. We're made up of 90% of water, but you cannot live without water. Can you say amen? But if you get too much water, you'll drown. Are you listening to me? Fire is the gift. This is what keeps you warm and allows you to cook food. But too much fire will burn you. Can sex burn you? Yes, if you're outside of God's parameters. I encourage you today, that the first thing, the, the first start is remaining pure and remaining committed to God's standard and to God's parameters. I would suggest to you, if you're married in this place, I would suggest to you to make a commitment to your wife that I will always be faithful to you no matter what. In fact, that's part of our marriage vows. They publicly are making a confession or vows to one another, to each other, in front of people and before God. These are vows of commitment. Proverbs 5.15, be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her what? Alone. Not to many, not to this, just her, right? Regardless of what you choose to do, regardless of what I want to just tell you today, that, that you are, whatever happens in life, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm not going to have sex with anyone else, honey. I am committed to you. I want the blessing of God. How many can say amen? If you're a single person, you need to publicly make a commitment to God that, you know what, I'm going to abstain from having sex until I get married to the one I love. I'm not just going to give myself away. I'm going to wait for that wedding ring and that commitment from that person. I, we're just not going to move in together first. You're not going to be a rent -a car You're going to actually uh, uh, value this marriage. You're going to have a covenant. Uh, you're going to believe it's a commitment to God and to each other that, you know what, we're going to abstain until we get married. Can you say amen? 
Number two, we're going to manage our mind. If we're going to uh, uh, believe and stick to God and be moral, uh, moral purity, we got to manage our mind. How many of the mind is the playground? Mind could be the devil's playground. Proverbs chapter 4, 23 says, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. It says, uh, Proverbs 23, 19, keep your mind on what is right. Believe it or not, many battles are won or lost in your mind. What you open up your mind to will begin to get filled, and whether it's garbage or good, you decide what you're going to fill your mind with. Anytime you see somebody messing up, making wrong decisions, uh, you ever see some of these uh, videos that people doing? you go, what was that guy thinking? You ever think that somebody's messing up, like, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? You know, you feel like thinking, McFly, hello, anybody home, McFly, are you thinking, McFly, what's going on with you? I know, I know it's an old thing, but I love that. Uh, what are you thinking here? Uh, that, that's a dumb decision. Why would you do that? James chapter 1 says this, temptation is the pool of a person's own evil thoughts and wishes, though these evil thoughts lead to evil action, and afterwards, what? They turn into death. So the Bible is very clear that what you think will determine how you feel. And what are you allowing in your mind? What are you allowing in your thought life? This is why many people, when they fall into sin, you thought about it first before you fell into sin. You were thinking about it long before you actually committed. People don't slip into adultery. People don't slip into fornication. You were thinking about it long before you ever fell into it. You begin to accept thoughts into your life. You begin to accept these thoughts. Man, what would it be to go to bed with that person? What would it be to do this? And you begin to allow those thoughts to become feelings. And all of a sudden, you got emotionally involved before you got physically involved. I said it's going to be, it's going to be real. Is that all right? It's going to be a little heavy today. We begin to rationalize. You know, it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. No, they're not. That's what the world's telling us, but everybody's not doing it. 2 Timothy 2.22, turn your back on lustful thought. Give your positive attention to goodness, integrity, love, and peace. It says turn your back. In other words, turn away from sin. Turn away from that decision or turn away from that temptation. Turning back implies you're making a choice. You're turning from that situation. You're not looking at it. You're not entertaining it. That's the problem. When we begin to entertain those thoughts, all of a sudden, friend, you're going to fall into it. You keep thinking and going in that direction. Number three, listen to me, monitor your media intake. I would say this is where many Christians are guilty. You're allowing every garbage in, garbage out. You're watching everything that's out there. You're allowing all these movies, all the internet, everything you're reading. It says this, Proverbs 15, 14, the fool feeds on trash. How many of you say, man, I want to live a physical, healthy lifestyle, but you can't do it on Coke and Twinkies? Can you say amen? You're not going to be able to do it. So you've got to decide long before that, you know what, I'm going to monitor the media intake. They did a survey of uh, teenagers between the age of 13 and 17, and they said this, 97% of them said, I use the internet every day. That's up from 
However, they found that most of these teenagers say, I am constantly on the internet. Constantly. Not just, not just here and there, constantly on it. And so all of these statistics, man, when you add them all up, but what's coming in from the media, what's coming in from the internet, uh, all of this uh, is really kind of brainwashing us. Uh, we're accepting all of this. Uh, they say 91% of all sexual content or even movies and sitcoms on television give us the wrong picture of what sex is like. Most of it is filled with adultery. Most of it is filled with fornication. Most of it today is filled with promiscuity and people just doing what they want to do. And even Christian kids are watching stuff that I wouldn't even watch, that you wouldn't even watch. Your kids are watching it. You're allowing them. They carry this little phone and they go to bed with it. Are you hearing me? And some of the worst garbage that comes over this. And then we get the wrong picture of what sex is like. We get the wrong picture of what it's supposed to be like. And I'm going to tell you, man, television is fake when it comes to sex. Movies are fake. I mean, you don't ever see any warts. You never see any wrinkles on these bodies. There's nothing. It's perfect. The fat is all in the right places. Am I right? Uh, everything is there. I mean, it's perfect. Uh, do you realize how, how many hours it takes to just record one scene with the correct lighting and everything else? I've been to a place where they're doing a movie. I have a, a, my brother, he's involved in, in acting and I, for many years now, I remember going to, he said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna be doing a take over here. And, and, and I remember if for, for like three minutes, it would take hours to set up. And then we, we'd, be, we'd be in the, uh, where did the, in the uh, what do they call that, what? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And, yeah, I'm sorry, not the green room. The trailer, thank you. We'd be in the trailer for hours talking. I'm thinking, what is it that while they're setting up the next scene? They had to move it over here. I'm thinking, man, it takes that many hours just to do a movie. Why? Because it has to be just perfect. How many know life is never that way? There's bad breath, there's bad hair days. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, They don't show you that in the movies. You ever see them in the morning, in the morning in the movie, they get up, they're kissing each other, they, the, the woman has all her makeup on, the guy had the perfectly come. I go, that is so phony. Man, we got cheese in our eyes. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Psalm 119.37 says, keep me from paying attention to what is worthless. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Psalm 101. Minimize. Listen to me. If you're going to stay morally pure, write this down. This is the point. Minimize the opportunity for temptation. This is the problem with many of us today is we're just allowing anything to come our way. You're not minimizing the situation. Uh, you need to stay away from some things. Uh, you need not to go to these places. Uh, wonder, you're wondering, why am I so tempted? If you don't want to get stung, stay away from bees. Right? If you lie down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. Am I right? Say, I want to eat pretzels. Don't go to the bar, man, because you're going to end up drinking. Eat pretzels at home. Are you with me today? Here's a few things that I want to say to you. There are three ways that you can minimize and stay away from temptation and areas or minimize the opportunity. Number one, recognize what tempts you. Recognize the situation. You know what? I probably shouldn't go there because it's going to be a temptation. Then don't go. 
1 Corinthians 10, 12, be careful if you're thinking, oh, I never behaved like that. Let's, let this be a warning for you, for you, for you to, to, for you to may fall into sin. In other words, be aware, recognize, uh, look at this area and say, I probably should not be around this. I probably should not hang around this area. I probably should not be over here. It is not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin to give in to temptation. So stay away, minimize the opportunity. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. And so you have to be honest with yourself and say, hey, these area, this place, this thing is an area of temptation. I need to stay away from that. Number two, choose your friends carefully. How many know friends can influence you? Influence you? Who are you hanging out with? Are they people that take you to the wrong places? 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company ruined good character. If those people are always pulling you down, get away from them. If they're always taking you and tempting you to go in the wrong place, get away from them. Number three, establish some protective guidelines. Ephesians 5, 3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. They say that more adultery takes place in the workplace or among people that you know because how many on the workplace you smell your best, you look your best. So stay away from the opposite sex. Stay away from people that may tempt you. Are you, are you hearing me today? Number five, you've got to strive to maintain a good marriage. The Bible says, Ecclesiastic 9.9, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. Uh, if you love your wife, uh, man, hang out with her. Let her be the one. Let her be the joy of your life. Can you say amen? Uh, I'm still excited about my wife. Amen. We've been married 38 years, uh, but I love her. Without her, I don't know what I'd be. So it takes uh, your priority. Take some priority with your wife. Take some priority uh, in the bedroom. Can you say amen? A guy was getting ready to go to bed one night and he gave his wife two aspirins. She said, what's that for? He said, for your headache. She said, I don't have one. Gotcha, amen. So here it is. Yeah, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. So it, 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 it. If, if, if there was some more courting in your marriage, there would be fewer marriages out of court. court courting means dating, uh, uh, being excited about each other. First Corinthians chapter 7, a husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is her right as a married woman, nor should the wife deprive her husband. In other words, you're not to stay away from each other. You need to have some romance in the bedroom. Oh, man, it's quiet out there. They did a scientific study, and they said that husbands like to make love with their wife on days that start with T. Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. Scientific study, guys. I'm just being honest with you. Scientific study. 
Keep it in your life. Keep the romance in your life. I know. Keep all of that. All of that stuff is really good. Number six, and I need to, I need to go quickly here, and this is the one that's very important. Number six is understand if you want to stay morally pure, you need to magnify the consequences of sin when you violate it. You need to magnify it. Having been a pastor for the last 33 years, I can't tell you how many couples, how many people that I've counseled and heard the heartache of adultery, of unfaithfulness, of illicit relationships, of all these things that I've seen the broken heart, I've seen the rejection, I've seen families split up, I've seen the devastation in children, I've dealt with people picking up uh, uh, transmitted disease or sexual transmitted I've dealt with the unfaithful spouse and the lying and I can tell you today the damage and emotional hurt that comes from this is devastating and so you need to magnify the consequence don't think man you, you won't get away with it are you hearing me in fact God won't let you get away with it I can't tell you the sense of shame and the sense of loss Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse 26 says, immorality may cost you your life. Bible talks about anyone who commits adultery doesn't have any sense, and he's destroying himself. Here's the problem. Hollywood has sensationalized and glamorized the sexual escapades and fornication, but they don't show you the hurt and the devastation that it causes on people. It doesn't show you got to magnify the consequences. You got to say, if I do this, man, it's going to destroy a lot of things. This is what I've done. Again, I got to cut this short. But three things that I've done when any of those things ever tempt me, when I'm ever tempted by anything or the enemy's trying to push some thought, I magnify the consequences. But there's some reasons to me. I've made some personal choices why I won't fall into that. Number one, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. He gave his life for me. I owe him my life. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Number two, I love my wife and I love my children with all my heart. And I often think if I violate the thought of the hurt and the pain or the or the pain and the betrayal and the scars that I would leave on my wife and children are unbearable to me. I think about that. Number three, I fear the judgment of God. I fear God more than anything. You should too. I fear the judgment of God. Uh, Hebrews 13, 4, God will judge the sexually immoral. So don't think you're going to get away with it. Don't think, man, I got away clean. No, you didn't. Uh, well, you know, don't I want to be, you know, God wants me to be, be happy. No, God wants you to be holy. Right? God wants you to be holy. So adultery is ultimately selfish. It's ultimately uh, uh, basically self-love. It's deception. This is why it's a serious issue. Premarital sex is unacceptable to God and always will be. Did you hear me? Living together without getting married is unacceptable to God and always will be. Committing adultery and fornication is unacceptable to God and always will be. 
Homosexuality is unacceptable to God and always will be. Pornography is unacceptable to God and always will be. Every one of those things God is going to bring into judgment. So we better sober up and begin to live morally pure before God. Can you say amen? I've said this before, I'll say it again. Thank God I've never had a woman make a pass at me, but the day that that happened, I will sock her in her jaw so hard. Hey man, uh, she better get away from me uh, uh, because thank God it's never happened. But if you see a woman walk out with a big uh, eye, uh, you'll know what happened, amen. Uh, And so I'm just telling you, I believe that the path of purity before God So here's what we want to do today. Listen to me. If you've been tempted or if you've gone in this direction, you need to repent. If you're dabbling or playing games, you need to repent. Did you hear me? Number two, if if, if this is something that's happened in the past, you need to repent and ask God for forgiveness and restore your heart back to him. Can you say amen? And you need to ask or refocus your life to make a commitment again to God's purity. And number four, you need to ask God for help. You need to ask God to help you and and to make a commitment and to say, God, I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to live the way the world wants me to live. Excuse me, I'm going to live the way you want me to live. See, I'm not talking today about perfection because I know many of us, before we came to Christ, we've messed up. Thank God for his forgiveness. Can you say amen? Thank God for his healing. I've seen couples where that uh, where adultery is taking place or uh, the man or the woman had an affair, but I've also seen God restore it. So if that's happened in your relationship, I believe God can restore it. Can you say amen? So I'm going to pray today. Why don't we bow our heads in reverence to God? Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace today, God, because you're so good. We pray, Lord God, today that you would help us to make a commitment to your standard, to make a commitment to godly standard, to make a commitment to moral purity today. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, let us not be diverted. Let us not be swayed by the world and the perversion and what's popular in the world because, God, today, it may not be popular but God your word is truth people may not like it God but your word surpasses what people say father you want to help us today the reason why you want us to remain morally pure and committed to your way because you care about us God you care about our spirit you care about our health you care about our lives God, you know what's good for us. You're not there to destroy us. You're here to help us. And God, you know better than we do. So God, today, help us to sober up to your standard today. So if you're in this room right now, before I go on, with every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, maybe you're listening online, but if you're in this room right now, you say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I need Jesus in my life. In fact, maybe you've you've allowed yourself to... Get involved in things. You say, man, my life is messed up. I've made a lot of bad decisions. I believe God today is reaching out to you. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of healing. He's a God of forgiveness today. But if you don't know the Lord as your Savior today, you've never given your heart to Christ, 
you've never made a commitment to the Lord today, and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life right now, raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I need the Lord in my life right now. I need to make a commitment to Jesus. I need the Lord in my life right now. Raise your hand right now, whoever you are. I don't want you to leave here the same way you walked in. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, lift your hand right now. We'll pray with you. We'll pray with you today. Maybe you once were walking with God, but you're away from God today, and you need to recommit your life to him. You need to recommit your life to him. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Say, I need to recommit my life to the Lord today. I need to recommit my life to the Lord today. Is there anyone at all in this room? Anyone at all? Just raise your hand. I want us to stand together. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. Here's what we're going to do. This is what we have a tendency to do. I'm going to make an altar call, but you're too embarrassed to come forward. I'm going to make an altar call for prayer, but you're going to, you're going to pray at home. No, no, no. I, I, I need us to make a public commitment to God to moral purity. So responding to this altar call is not embarrassing you. It's going to empower you. But how many here is say, Pastor, I want to make a commitment to moral purity in my marriage. Maybe uh, if you're single, to God, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay right. I'm not I'm not gonna dabble in sin. I'm not gonna play with that. I'm gonna start main. You know what? I'm gonna begin to manage what's coming in my mind. I'm gonna begin to manage some of the media that's coming my way. I'm gonna begin to really manage uh, the temptation and not minimize my opportunity. But I'm gonna make a commitment. The moral purity. How many would raise your hand right now and say, that's me, Pastor? How many? Just a few? Just a few? How many more? Just raise your hand right now. I'm going to open the altar. If you want to make that commitment in your marriage, personally, come. Come, come. Don't be embarrassed. We're here to pray with you. Just come. So I'm making a commitment with my family, with my children. Come right now. Come right now. Some of you need to make this commitment even in your, in your family today. Open Just come. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.